Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 18. All things are of God. All things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. And then Mark, chapter 16 and verse number 20, they went forth and preached everywhere. That was their part. The Lord was working with them and confirming the word with signs following. They went and God was with them. And today I want to preach to you for a few minutes on this subject. There is no us without a you. There is no us without a you. God bless you. We may be seated. <laughs> I like the spontaneity of the pulpit. I just, I really don't think of a lot of those things till I get here, so there must be an anointing. We'll get this out of the way, okay, so that we don't have to talk about it anymore. Uh, Tuesday of this week, I injured myself playing racquetball, and uh, it's the medial meniscus that is, the MRI has revealed, is torn. And... Uh, will require surgery unless God gives me a miracle. And they said that there is actually a piece floating around inside of that area that they will take care of at the same time. So that is the prognosis, but Jesus is still a miracle worker. Amen. And so um, thank you for your prayers, and now we won't talk about it anymore. Is brother... Uh, Brother Hart's not here today, but uh, Wednesday night, he was about 50 yards ahead of me when I got out of my car walking with his cane, and he was walking so fast I could not keep up with him, with my walker. <laughs> and I told him what, uh, eventually he did get to a pew, and I said, now Brother Hart, you're going to have to slow down in the parking lot because people are going to get hurt if you keep moving that, that fast. But everything's fine, folks. I'm in good spirits. I appreciate your prayers. But I really don't want to talk about this. We're just going to get better. And I do not have terminal cancer. I love Jesus. Everything's good. Praise God. And I forgot one thing. Brother Courtney, you did an awesome job with that DVD this year, that presentation. He does a great job. We appreciate your ministry. Amen. Very well done. Praise God. So let me preach to you for a few minutes. Have you ever considered this? I, I'm going to mess up my notes here a little bit, but this is just the direction I, I feel I need to go. I don't think I know but a handful of you, 
if it weren't for us knowing the Lord. I'm sure my, obviously I know my family, but I was born in Milwaukee and raised in Oak Creek, and I don't think I'd know probably 95% of the people in this church if it weren't that we had the Lord in common. Is that true? Is that, now, now you think about it for you. This isn't just about me, it's about you. How many of you think you'd know anybody around you that's not related to you if it weren't for the Lord? So it is the Lord that has made us a second time. Obviously he made us the first time, but now that we are new creatures in Christ, we have become us. But the first letter in us is you. And there is no us without you. And that's where this message is going today. There is no us without you. There is no church without you. What is the church? The church is not a building. Church means comes from the word ecclesia and means separated or called out ones. Separated, called out ones. There would be no us if it weren't for him, and there would be no church if it were not for you. Now, I thought about this the other day, too. I thought about Adam, when God created Adam. You know, there is really nothing to tell us how long it was just God and Adam. Did you ever think of that? I mean, we say, well, God created all this, and then he created Adam, and then he gave him a job, and then he gave him a wife. Wait, wait, wait. How long was it? before Adam had a wife. Nobody can tell me. We don't know how long that might have been. That relationship was firmly established before they became an us because of the you. Somebody say amen. So we don't know how long it was before Adam received his wife and they became a married couple. So it is with all of our relationships. The first and foremost thing is our relationship with God ever before we have a relationship with others. And everything about us, when you think of it in these terms, begins with you. Think, I want you to think today. You know that job you have that helps to provide for your family? Where did you get that job? How did you get to the place you're in today? Well, I went to school and I went to college and I took an apprenticeship and I, 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 I. No, no. No, God gave you some gifts and some talents. You worked hard, but God put you in position. God gave you favor with people that allowed you to take one step at a time to get to the place that you are at today. Your job came from a you, not from an I. I'm pausing for effect. 
How many of you are salesmen? Any salesmen in the church? Where do your sales come from? Businessmen in the church? Where do your customers come from? Well, I I contact them. Without God's favor, you're wasting your time. But if you connect with them, if you pray for them, not just so that they can be a customer to you, but so that you can bless them, can God connect us with the people that we need and that need us to make our business, their families, and yours blessed of God? It all has to do with favor. And without God's favor, you're on your own. You're not even an us. You're just an I. I learned a long time ago, I just can't depend on an I. There are a lot of people that have contributed to where you are today. A lot of people. Consider this. God sent somebody to you to be a witness. See, sometimes I think that, you know, we get, we're in the church for a long period of time. You know, I've been in the church 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and we forget how we ever got here. God sent somebody to us. He did that. And he used a human being to be a witness to you. I don't know how he did it. Maybe you were in trouble and you requested help. Maybe they just came up out of the blue and talked to you about what Jesus had done for them. Maybe there was a Bible study. But he sent a witness. Then he sent a teacher. Then he sent a preacher. And then he gave you a body. How many of you appreciate the body? I appreciate the body of Christ. I'm not in this thing alone. And everybody that I've seen today has been so friendly to me. Oh, we're so sorry to hear about your situation. It's good to know that you're loved, isn't it? But we don't have that without you. We don't have that without you. Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We need a savior and there's only one available. And that's the one that makes you complete. And without him, you're not complete. And you're bodiless. And you're on your own. And sometimes when things go good, you feel pretty good about that. But when things go bad, who do you fall on then? We need us. I know this is going to be a radical thought. Do you know that our God, let me show you how big our God is. Our God is so big that he could have created a planet for just you and him.
Could have done it. We have no idea what is outside of our galaxies. We have no clue how far it goes, what it is. He could have created a planet for Liz Kylie and him. And that's it. So that he could have a relationship with that one person. He could have done it. But he felt it was in our best interest to create other human beings that we could have us relationships. We could have the, some of us have the, are blessed with the us of marriage. Some of us are not. Some of us are single. But even single people are not alone if they're in the body of Christ. And a man that has friends must show himself friendly. And a man who has friends is never a failure. It's a wonderful life. If you've got friends, you're not a failure. We need each other. That's the bottom line. We need each other, but most importantly, we need to recognize that he's the glue of all relationships. We need each other. Here's something that is a concern of mine and I want to share with you. We can rely on us too much and not him. We can believe that we have strength in numbers. That because we are the body of Christ, we can get through anything. And we can be thoughtless sometimes about how important it is to have him in the center of us. We can become professional Pentecostals. We know how to clap. We know how to lift our hands. We know how to worship. But if there's no spirit in it, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But if we've got it down and we just go through the motions, if we just have the pet cliches and, and we say the right things and, and we pray at mealtime and maybe a little bit in the morning and maybe a little bit in the evening, but we really never get a hold of God in, in our desperation and declare our, not our independence, but our dependence upon him, we can fake it. And God doesn't want us to fake it. He wants us to be dependent on him. Be dependent on him. Not be dependent just upon, just upon us. Dependent on him. Hey, I had a thought. Maybe this will kind of tie together what I'm saying. Most people that come to God, come to God, now most, not all, come for one of two reasons. They're in trouble they need help, it might be illness, it might be money, it might be marriage problems, it might be kid problems, they, they're having trouble getting a job, they're, they're desperate. They need help. They've run out of their own energy and their own ability. Are there any people like that that came to God in the sanctuary today? I'm one of them. 
came to God because we had a need. And we asked God to help us with that need. You might say that our lives were fractured. There was some brokenness in us. There are other people that come to God because they recognize that there's something missing in their life. They may even be doing well. They've got a lot of money, they've got job security, they've got a nice home, they've got nice things. But they know that they're not complete. They're still not satisfied. They're they're still not happy. They don't have joy because there's a hole inside of them that has yet to have been filled and they finally figured it out that all that this world has to offer cannot satisfy their emptiness. And so they seek God. And they get in his presence and they say they never want to leave. And God says you don't have to. I'll fill you with my spirit. We'll go everywhere together. And the peace and the joy and the righteousness comes from my spirit. And they find what they're looking for. But the other group, the fractured, I'm going to give you, you're going to laugh at me again, but that's okay. This is just my style. You know, in in math, When you are dealing with fractions, you must first, fractions versus fractures. I set myself up here, okay? Fractions versus fractures. Before you can reduce a fraction, you must first have a common denominator. Jesus is the common denominator for all your fractures all your fractures he is the common denominator and he can reduce see I knew you'd smile he can reduce your fractures because he is the common denominator he has the ability to do all of this in your life but you have to bring the fractures to the common denominator Am I helping you today? Maybe you're in the house today and you're fractured. We can reduce the fractures. Even John the Baptist recognized this formula. He said, I must decrease reduction. He must increase the common denominator. He crosses all of our lines as well. Now let me give you two more examples and I'll stop today. Let's turn over to uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 19. There is no us without a you. While you're turning there, let me ask you this question. Am I my brother's keeper? How many think yes? Yes. I'm with that group. We won't make anybody else raise their hand. I believe I am my brother's keeper. I read in the scripture today that I'm supposed to love my brother. Did you read it today? He that says that he loves God and hates his brother is a liar. 
I believe I am my brother's keeper. First Chronicles 19 and verse 10. Here's the situation. Now when Joab saw the battle was set against him before and behind, meaning he was surrounded, he chose out of all the choice of Israel. He took the very best of Israel and he put them in array against the Syrians. Now those that were not the best were the rest. So it says, and the rest of the people he delivered unto the hand of Abishai, his brother, and they set themselves in array against the children of Ammon. The Ammonites and the Syrians had them surrounded. Then Joab said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you will come and help me. If the children of Ammon are too strong for you, then I will help you. Because I am my brother's keeper. Now Joab might have been just a little selfish here because he took all the best. But he recognized that he was responsible for his brother. And if his brother needed help, He's going to be there for him. Now, I have two families on this earth. I have a natural family, and I have a spiritual family. And in my natural family, over the years, we have had some disagreements. Where's, where's Brother Steve? Have we had any disagreements? You have underestimated the situation. <laughs> Buddy's my brother. Now, if that's true in the natural, how about the spiritual? It should be the same way spiritually. We look out for one another. We're family, right? We're family, okay. Now, I would like, please just indulge me for a moment. I would like our church leadership to please stand. If you're a ministry head or an assistant, if you're a trustee board member, if you're a pastor, pastor's wife, you know who you are. People that are in leadership in this church, please stand up. I want to read to you what I believe the Lord wants you to hear this morning as leaders. Please pay attention. Do not think this is Rick Kylie. Think this is the Lord speaking directly to you. Okay? Here's what God says to you Be of good courage. Let us behave ourselves valiantly for our people and for the cities. Of our God. That's us. But here's the you. And let the Lord do that which is good in his sight. Thank you. You may be seated. Be of good courage. 
Behave yourselves valiantly for your people and for the cities. And the Lord will do that which is good in his sight. And you know what happened? They were victorious because they fought back to back. I'll give you one more example. 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. Jonathan said to the young men that bear his armor, Come. Let us go over under the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. His armor bearer said unto him, do all that is in your heart, turn you, behold, I am with you according to your heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over before these men and we will discover ourselves unto them. That means we will let them see us so that they will have to speak to us. If they say unto us, tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and we will not go up unto them. But if they say, come up unto us, then we will go up. For the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves under the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews have come forth out of the holes where they had hid themselves, because all of Israel was in hiding. The men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to the armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. Now, strategically, you always want to fight from an elevated position. It is difficult for your enemy to get to you if he has to not only approach you, but climb to get there. So Jonathan and his armor bearer have to climb up hand over hand, foot over foot, and you'll read about it in a moment, to even get in a position to fight. This is not an ideal strategy for warfare. So Jonathan climbed upon his hands and his feet and his armor bearer after him, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men. Within as it were a half acre of land which is a yoke of oxen might plow. 20 men killed by two because they believed that God was gonna give them the victory. They fleeced the Lord. There's no way of getting around it. They did. They said, now God, this is what we need to know if you're with us. That's the whole point. Because if you're with us, it's no longer just us, it's you. What man in his right mind would take a friend and risk his life against 20 unless he believed that God was with him? 
And so God gave him the victory. But the story does not stop there. It says after that, that there was a trembling in the host, in the field and among all the people. The garrison, the spoilers, they also trembled. And the earth quaked, so it was a very great trembling. Now, after this happens, God gives this tremendous earthquake. The watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked and behold, the multitude of their enemies began to melt away and they were beating down one another. They were destroying themselves. They had turned on each other because you see, they had no God. They only had themselves. And they had just witnessed that these weaklings, with the help of their God, had killed 20 of theirs, and now their God was shaking the entire earth. And in their confusion, they were killing each other. So Saul said to the people that were with him, number now and see who is gone from us. And when they numbered, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said unto Ahiah, bring hither the ark of God, for the ark of God was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass that while Saul talked unto the priest, that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines went on and it increased. And Saul said unto the priest, take away your hand. And Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves and they came to battle. Do you see? I want you to see the progression of this victory. I want you to see its origin and then I want you to see its result. Now Saul has his army ready to go in battle. And every man's sword was against his fellow and there was a very great discomfiture. Moreover, now here's another group that enters into the battle. Moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines before that time, which went up with them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were with Saul and Jonathan. The backsliders, the deserters, saw what was happening that God was fighting for Israel against the Philistines. And although they were in the ranks of the Philistines, they deserted them as well. And they turned back with the Hebrews. Likewise, all the men of Israel, the ones that were hiding in Mount Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, even they also followed and hard after them in the battle. You see what's happening here? Two people took on 20 and God gave them a victory. Then he shook the earth so much that they were terrified against the God of Israel and began to destroy themselves. Saul recognized that he shouldn't be hiding and that he should take his army into battle and finally takes the army in. The backsliders and the deserters that were a part of the Philistine army, recognized that God is doing the supernatural and they don't want to get caught on the wrong side, so they jump back in with the Hebrews. 
And those that are nonchalant, those that have gotten as far away from the battle as they possibly can, have now heard that God is giving a great victory over the Philistines, and they don't want to be labeled as left out. So they leave Ephraim as fast as they can, and they join in the battle so that they can take part of the spoil and be considered a team player. And where does all of this end? Here's how it ends. It ends with, so the Lord saved Israel. So the Lord saved Israel. Hmm. Because two people. Let me tell you something. Don't get caught up in a numbers game. Do not get caught up in numbers. It doesn't matter to God whether to save by many or by few. It didn't matter with Gideon. It didn't matter with Samson. And it certainly didn't matter with Jonathan and his armor bearer. Well, this church isn't big enough to reach the community. Are you kidding me? Twelve disciples turned the world upside down. There's more than enough. We just need to go into battle. Where are you? Are you a Jonathan? Are you a Saul? Are you a deserter? Are you just sitting at home waiting to see what God does? God's doing great things. We need to go into battle, not just with an us, but with a you. Because if God is for us, then who can stand against us? Amen. Praise God. So most all of God's miracles come through people, not just to people. Let's stand together. James chapter five, last thing I'll mention to you today. James 5 and 13 says, is any among you afflicted? Here's the answer. Let him pray. Is any Mary? Let him sing psalms. So if you're afflicted or if you're merry, it looks like you're on your own. But in verse 14, it says, is any sick among you? And before you think of physical, let me remind you that there are lots of ways to be sick. But if you're sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. There's a call for you. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Look here. And the you shall raise him up. 
And if he's committed sins, they will be forgiven him. So God not only heals the physical, he heals the spiritual when people call for help. They call for help from us, but they end up getting a you because it's the Lord that raises them up. It's the Lord that forgives sin. So confess your faults, not your sins. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed for the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. There are some prayers that need to be prayed alone and there are other prayers that need to be prayed by us but there is no us without a you. And you know who I'm talking about. His name is Jesus. Jesus, we thank you today, not only for creating us and recreating us, but for allowing us to be part of the family of God in the body of Christ. We need each other but we know that it's you that brings us together. We know that it's you that saves. We know that it's you that heals. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262 965 5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.